This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. As I record this, it is May 18, 2020, and you are listening to the Failed State Update with Joseph L. Flatley. On this edition of Failed State Update, we will discuss uh, the intersection of the UFO scene and military intelligence with author and uh, self-described crackpot historian Adam Go-Rightly. The convergence of the two things was revealed in the 1980s when a UFO researcher named Bill Moore disclosed that he had been working with and manipulated by something called the Air Force Office of Special Investigations and an agent named Rick Doty. This story begins in 1979 with a military contractor named Paul Benowitz who apparently stumbled upon top-secret military projects. When he reported his findings to Kirtland Air Force Base Security, Benowitz was hooked up with an agent named Rick Doty, who ended up feeding him and then others in the UFO scene false information in an apparent attempt to obscure the fact that, that these were military projects that Paul Benowitz had stumbled upon. For the kids, we're going to talk about uh, Tom DeLong of uh, Blink-182 and his uh, bizarre UFO think tank, the To the Stars Academy. So when uh, you hear Adam and I talking about TTSA, that's the organization we're discussing. We're also going to pose the question whether best-selling author Annie Jacobson is part of a similar intelligence operation that struck Paul Benowitz and roped in Bill Moore. But that's enough for me. Let's talk to Adam Go-Rightly. I guess it's because of 
I don't know how familiar you are with my podcast, The Failed State Update, but really it's, you know, looking at the state of the country and the real surreal state of the country. Like, um, the fact that, you know, we basically live in a cyberpunk dystopia now and all these all these things that were interesting or were concerns of people kind of on the fringe over the last 30 years are now they're on the TV news. And, and, you know, so people are going to be like, why are you talking about UFOs on this show? But, um, maybe you could, uh, just start by explaining who Paul Benowitz is and kind of that story. Does that make sense? Sure. Back in uh, 69, Benowitz founded a company called uh, Thunder Scientific uh, Corporation. He did a lot of uh, government contracts uh, for the Air Force, basically uh, developing uh, different calibration measurement instruments for uh, avionics. And uh, he started in 69. He was based right out of Kirtland Air Force Base in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Basically, uh, his house was right on the outskirts. He could look into uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. That was in 69. In 1979, he started seeing UFOs around uh, Kirtland Base, and that uh, was kind of the beginning of his uh, odyssey. Uh, and his involvement in uh, ufology and also uh, looking into uh, cattle mutilations, a lot of the weirdness that was going on, kind of starting around that uh, time. And so his, his concern, he actually started filming, uh, quote-unquote, UFOs and uh, taking photographs of them, and he became... Uh, kind of concerned because he saw them different parts of the base that, uh, you know, could be seen as a national security threat uh, over the uh, area called the uh, Monzano uh, weapons uh, area, which housed like the largest uh, cache of uh, nuclear uh, weapons during that period, or one of the largest caches. So he contacted the uh, brass there at uh, Kirtland Base, the security officers, and let them know about what was going on there. And so uh, he became in contact with the folks there, and he actually uh, went in and gave a presentation on what he had uh, seen to try to start a partnership and get some answers what the hell <laughs> was going on there you know was this something they were testing was it alien craft uh who knows according to some sources uh the air force recruited him at that time although the air force uh denied that but uh what uh, benowitz said they recruited him into an effort against uh, the aliens who <laughs> were uh, supposedly involved there at Kirtland, but uh, also involved uh, in an area north of there in uh, Dulce, New Mexico, where they supposedly had a secret underground base that uh, Benowitz discovered, or he was kind of led to discover by his quote-unquote handlers, one of whom was allegedly uh, Richard Doty. 
And that kind of started the whole uh, Dulce Bass uh, mythos legend. First of all, like um, Kirtland Air Force Base, like what goes on there? Being developed at uh, Kirtland were a lot of uh, st- stealth technologies of the uh, period as well as other uh, things uh, dealing with, uh, for instance, laser uh, communications with satellites. And uh, this is what, uh, you know, according to people of Look deeply into it, like my friend Greg Bishop and Christopher Lambright and uh, Bill Moore as well talked about this. What he, uh, what they collectively thought Benowitz stumbled upon had to do with these laser-based uh, uh, technologies uh, dealing with communication, you know, with uh, lasers and uh, secret, uh, basically a secret coded communications program, not only, you know, for dealing with our uh, uh, satellites, but also, you know, disabling Russian uh, satellites or other satellites up there. And this is a lot of what you hear going on with technology nowadays and things like Space Force it has to do with these uh, satellite wars and that type of stuff. And uh, uh, Benowitz was not only filming UFOs and photographing them, but he was also picking up on these uh, coded uh, communications. And that uh, is what really concerned uh, the brass there at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and also the NSA as well got involved with looking at Benowitz because uh, what Benowitz was doing with these communications, he was trying to uh, decode them and it looked like he was getting close to that. And so uh, that's where, you know, the uh, AFOSI and Doty NSA, et cetera, got involved in seeing uh, what uh, Benowitz was doing and who he was communicating with was uh, he uh, possibly communicating to foreign uh, nationals, you know, and a lot of the f- uh, foreign nationals and agents, Russians, Chinese were very interested in uh, ufology during that period and probably still are now and had uh, kind of infiltrated a lot of the different UFO groups of that period. And a lot of the people involved in UFO groups, uh, MUFON and APRO were a couple of them, were also, you know, a lot of these members were involved in the uh, defense contracting as civilians. So there was all this overlap going on. And so, uh, Ultimately, what uh, Doty and the rest wanted to do was like uh, uh, basically misinform Benowitz, disinform him, uh, confuse him to what the signals and whatnot he was uh, picking up and ultimately have him spread disinformation and confuse all of this with uh, like it was alien technologies and aliens that were behind, you know, all the uh, secret testing that was going on at Kirtland and also at uh, whatever was going on at out at Dulce, which also involved uh, 
cattle mutilations and possibly some secret uh, program uh, going on there with testing cattle. <laughs> it's gets so complicated and convoluted, but you know a lot of a lot of people think it involved um, uh, something that was called Project uh, Plowshare that went on in the late '60s, where they uh, were testing. Uh, doing some nuclear underground nuclear expo uh, explosions basically to release uh, natural gas <clears throat> so uh, as a way of tapping into that but it it really didn't uh, work out too well because it released uh, radiation into the atmosphere this went on you know it was like an early form of fracking this went on <clears throat> in that the dulce area and so, uh, you know, one of the theories is that uh, later, a lot of the cattle mutilations was basically uh, a cover for uh, some secret government program where they were testing uh, you know, cattle for radiation exposure. And there has been a lot of cases, you know, in that area of uh, cancer in the wildlife and humans as well. So Benowitz was involved in MUFON and kind of these different, you know, was kind of getting into the UFO underground. And um, and and then he when he contacted Kirtland Air Force Base, his, um, saying that he had seen these things and uh, picked up these things on his equipment, the call went to the AFOSI. What does that what is the AFOSI and who is Doty and how did that work? AFOSI is Air Force Office of Special Investigation. They're the security there at the base, and they're best basically uh, special agents that work on cases. And uh, you know, it's like the FBI or something with special agents who deal with counterintelligence. And uh, so it became a counterintelligence operation. They were monitoring. Benowitz to find out who he knew, who his contacts were, and that's kind of where researcher Bill Moore came into it because AFOSI recruited him and got more involved in look in uh, basically helping infiltrate uh, ufology, meeting people like Paul Benowitz and. Uh, others in uh, ufology to find out what they were learning, what they knew about uh, secret projects. Remember, because like I was saying, a lot of these were people involved in defense contracting to see if they were leaking classified information, because some of these folks had classified, possibly had classified information, but also to uh, misinformed them too about some of the stuff they were seeing you know so it was a had to deal with classified information uh i mean classic counterintelligence stuff you want to find out <laughs> and also if the russians and chinese uh what their knowledge uh was you know because they were uh infiltrating get involved in these different organizations so it was a counterintelligence, you know, a national, quote-unquote, national security operation. One of these was uh, was to disinform uh, Paul Benowitz and, uh, you know, spread this disinformation that what was being seen at uh, 
Kirtland were possibly ETs and UFOs. What these signals were were ETs, not uh, really uh, what was going on there with you know all this laser research, and the same thing uh, you know going on with uh, Dulce, where they were once again allegedly. There's a lot of uh, information to support this, uh, where they were testing. Uh, Stealth technology. Remember, this was the period where a lot of that uh, stealth technology research was really uh, going at that time with, you know, developing these uh, stealth bombers and whatnot. And so, yeah, it's a (laughs) mix of a lot of uh, crazy things with uh, these UFO stories uh, inserted in there just uh, to disinform people. When did the um, intelligence community or, you know, aspects of the intelligence community kind of pick up on the UFO scene and and, and inject itself in it? Were they always interested or always involved? Yeah, it uh, seems like it uh, uh, pretty early on, you know, with uh, all the different uh, investigations, you know, but these are... uh, (laughs) secret classified operations so we don't know for sure i mean really uh, you know a lot of this came out with uh Doty's involvement and there was a freedom of information requests that uh, uh where people became aware of this you know through uh, uh a group called cause c a u s uh it was a citizens uh, uh ufo group with like Peter Gersten was their lawyer and uh, they put in the, uh, these FOIA requests because, you know, there was uh, public reports of this stuff going on at uh, Dulce. And that's where uh, Doty's name came up in the uh, documents. And that's where eventually Doty got busted. I mean, this came out around 84 and shortly after he got uh, shipped to uh, West Germany, as did his commanding officer, and supposedly he, uh, Doty was stripped of his special agent status. He Doty uh, later said it had nothing to do with the stuff going on at uh, Kirtland, but the timing was uh, certainly reflected. That was probably the uh, case, and what I've been told by, like, Greg Valdez, who is Gabe Valdez's son, is that uh, uh, Doty was basically got in trouble because he got uh, a little too uh, became uh, a little willy nilly uh, sharing classified information. And uh, the deal with the classified information was that the uh, Doty was like putting out bits and pieces of stuff just to see what different UFO researchers picked up on to to see what uh, they were aware of, of, you know, these secret uh, programs. Now, some people say that uh, Doty was a rogue agent or, but the rogue thing might be actually a cover (laughs) for the operation. You know, it was just that way that the uh, Air Force could say, well, yeah, he got out of hand with the uh, Benowitz affair, but you know, once the rogue thing might be a cover in itself. 
did he get outed then through like the FOIA requests and this group cause? Like, would he, if they hadn't stumbled upon him, we possibly would never have heard of him. Is that what? Uh, right, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, pe- people knew about him, obviously, but uh, like Bill Moore was working with him and other uh, folks, but maybe more would have never came clean if these, uh, you know, documents and information didn't come out. Dulce is a quiet, unassuming town nestled in northern New Mexico. Many of its residents are members of the Hikaria Apache tribe. They swear. I tell stories, but my nose isn't isn't growing. <laughs> they are not making this up. They threw down a ladder from that that spaceship, and then two small people started climbing down. Jerry Julian says she had her first extraterrestrial encounter right here on her Dulce Ranch about 40 years ago. It was huge. I just saw like just saw the bottom of it. You know, it was like flat like this. Many of her neighbors claim similar strange sightings. Fat in the middle and kind of like rounded on the sides. You're speechless, you know. You just don't know what to think. You know, it's just like. It's like nothing you've ever encountered before. Why are stories of the extraordinary ordinary here? I do not know. I do not know. Probably kind of that big uh, mountain we have right there, you know. Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archuleta Mesa here. The mountain overlooks Dulce. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. Do you believe that? Yeah. Well, a whole bunch of people seen it, you know. Like the ground opening up, steam coming out of it. They also claim they've seen some creatures cooked up in those experiments, like Bigfoot and something half-human. Down this way, the waist down, it's a goat. Just to take this a step further uh, to uh, Dulce Benowitz, uh, went out there and he was a private pilot. He was flying, you know, he'd take these recon trips uh, to Dulce. And he, now he became convinced that he was finding evidence of a secret uh, base or something going on there. And with the, uh, and he was uh, taking photos where uh, he discovered this method. I don't know that much about photography, but but I've been told the, the uh, shutter speed has changed to one thousandth of a second. He started uh, at first unwittingly uh, photographing. He just photographed the landscape. Then uh, when he developed the photos, uh, UFOs would show up and then they, they appeared to be coming out of this Archelina Mesa area. And later, uh, Gabe Valdez and his son Greg and some other folks went in there too and uh, witnessed the same uh, thing. They, you know, take photographs of the uh, landscape in that area, and later they'd have uh, craft appear. And uh, later they uh, took that into a lab at. Uh, uh, it's called uh, God damn it! I want to say Sandos. Uh, <laughs> laboratories uh, Sandia? It's not San- Sandia laboratory yeah too many things to keep in my brain <laughs> and they get some of these uh, developed and blown up and they uh, were able to 
see that they were actually uh, experimental aircraft, U.S. aircraft with uh, different emblems and things on them. So Benowitz, you know, he's kind of like a mad genius. He was figuring out ways to photograph uh, the uh, stealth technology and uh, passing this information on to uh, other folks as well. And he was getting too close to the uh, truth. Eventually, uh, he just went over the deep end, uh, once again was became convinced that there were uh, aliens out there at uh, Dulce uh, Base, that there had been a uh, some kind of confrontation between the government uh, stationed there at the base and the aliens, and there had been a uh, like a shootout. <laughs> and there was some, certainly uh, some type of operations uh, going on there as well, because uh, Benowitz, as well as Gabe Valdez and others, saw evidence of that. Uh, now, and, you know, they also claimed they found air vents and this type of stuff, which indicated a secret base. And they saw, you know, witnessed uh, strange craft coming out of Archelita Mesa. Uh, but uh, Doty also, p- perhaps to confuse the issue, claimed that he had set up props up there to uh, confuse uh, <laughs> researchers and basically direct uh, – Benowitz's interest more into Dulce than what was going on at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. So um, Paul Benowitz is flying, he's a pilot, and he's flying over this area and um, seeing evidence of what he thinks is uh, some sort of underground base. And how does he come to believe that, you know, it's a joint alien-human base and, you know, kind of the more of the details around that? Part of it, uh, both himself and others, the Valdezes, witnessed uh, Chinook uh, helicopters and military aircraft there, you know, so that was (laughs) part of it. Uh, Benowitz uh, saw evidence of a crashed craft that uh, most likely was probably some stealth uh, technology, but for some reason... He believed it was a joint uh, ET uh, craft, and they uh, actually did an expedition out there to uh, uh, Gabe Valdez and others did to look at this craft. So that, as well as the uh, stuff Benowitz was getting over his computer and hints that Doty was providing him, uh, you know, that it was... uh, alien base. I mean, it was like a feedback loop. Uh, once uh, Benowitz got in his head, there was ETs out there. I don't know what came first, whether uh, Doty or whoever hinted that, and he went out uh, looking for it, and he got messages through his computer. Eventually, he believed, you know, that it was a joint uh, base, and he was fed information that there had been this confrontation there which later became uh, known in UFO lore as the uh, Dulce War or the Dulce uh, Firefight. And this is one of those legends that seems to get uh, repeated multiple times in different ways over the years that uh, 
basically there was some falling out between the uh, humans there, military uh, counterparts and their uh, aliens that they were working there with those secret bases where they were doing <laughs> genetic experiments, uh, secret craft, whatnot. And anyway, they had a uh, war, a firefight, and uh, that became a new uh, phase, you know, in this uh, Dulce story. Now, uh, Benowitz got this information, and you know, it was like uh, published. Um, Hints of it were published in the early 80s, but it really didn't become a thing until the late 80s when John Lear and some other folks uh, appeared on the scene. And that's uh, the beginning of another phase of this whole Dulce disinformation, misinformation story. I believe you've written or said somewhere that Dulce was kind of the point in the UFO community where UFOs went from like being considered like light and love, you know, being like benign, I guess would be the word to like what you call the dark side hypothesis. Could you explain that? Yeah. And that's, uh, you've had access to, uh, work on book I'm working on deals with this topic. And that's in the, uh, forward by David Perkins, who's, uh, he was involved in that whole scene uh, during that period, so knew all of these uh, players. But, uh, yeah, he calls it uh, the dark side hypothesis. And uh, it, it kind of changed in that late 80s period where, you know, uh, before that, for the most part, it had, you know, the uh, especially going back to the uh, 50s, the Space Brothers were all love and light, and they were here to... Uh, pass on their knowledge, wisdom, and lead us away from uh, atomic bombs and uh, forever wars and uh, bring us into an age of enlightenment. And that vibe kind of changed in the, the, uh, oh, you know, kind of started earlier with uh, Betty and Barney Hill, but really with uh, the uh, whole alien abduction phenomena that started in that uh, mid to late 80s period that was inspired by Benowitz to a certain extent, and the torch was picked up by these players like Bill Cooper and John Lear and uh, several others that were promoting this uh, these stories that the uh, aliens were evil, you know, at times even uh, tied into the Illuminati or <laughs> who else, and that they had, yeah, these secret uh, genetic labs where they were creating a hybrid race ultimately to uh, take over our planet and enslave mankind. Tonight, for the first time in history, men and women from all over the world come together via satellite to share their experiences about unidentified flying objects. Live from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., LBS presents, in association with Seligman Productions, UFO Cover-Up, live. Please welcome the distinguished actor-producer, our host, Mike Farrell. 
Good evening. What do a colonel in the United States Air Force, a waiter in the Soviet Union, a teacher in California, and a former United States president have in common? Well, they all claim to have witnessed unidentified flying objects in the skies. What we're dealing with tonight is a subject of universal interest. Whatever your view, in the next two hours, you'll hear claims and counterclaims. You'll hear some astounding, perhaps disturbing things which... There's been different phases if you want to look at this as partly an intelligence operation. You have the Benowitz affair and all that, and in, in the later uh, 80s you had uh, the UFO cover-up live, which you told me you watched on uh, YouTube. Oh, loved it. It was great. <laughs> yeah, and so what, what that was was uh, it could be seen as... Uh, kind of the culmination of this, uh, what what had been going on with Benowitz, where all these things were pushed out in this TV program hosted by uh, Mike Farrell of MASH. It's kind of a hokey, <laughs> they didn't pull it off all that well, but everything came out in that. Uh, they talked about MJ-12, uh, Roswell, uh, Cash Landrum, which... Uh, Doty was involved with. Area 51 is mentioned in this, probably one of the uh, earliest mentions of Area 51 before it uh, took off. And also, uh, you know, talking about these uh, ETs and uh, captivity, that was all kind of basically came out of the MJ-12 stories, which came from those secret documents that probably came from AFOSI and Doty. So it was like the continuation or or the culmination of this uh, first phase that was going on with this disinformation operation. And uh, shortly after that, you had uh, John Lear come out with the... the uh, what were called the Dulce, Dulce Papers. I mean, UFO cover-up live was definitely amazing. Was that on Fox, or was that syndicated? Do you know where that aired? It, it uh, aired, quote-unquote, live, even though it really was, a lot of it was pre-recorded. <laughs> and that, that was the funky thing about it. They said, we're, we're talking, uh, part of it was talking to these uh government agents who are in like in the shadows and their voices are electronically altered uh falcon and condor and they're talking about uh kind of like the secret government program all uh all uh, the mj-12 group and the aliens in captivity and one of those uh falcon turned out to be uh richard doty and uh, later he claimed well it wasn't him but Maybe it was him, but he was just being a surrogate for somebody else. He's, you know, he's very <laughs> wishy-washy about... Slippery. Yeah, slippery type. <clears throat> but what I'd say it was like kind of the uh, different phase in this operation. After that, uh, Bill Moore kind of left the scene. He had that uh, kind of meltdown thing at the MUFON uh, conference in... Uh, 89, where he admitted that he'd uh, been kind of, uh, he'd been working with the uh, government. It'd been a trade-off. They promised him they'd give him, pass on classified information if he'd keep tabs on different UFO researchers and report back to the government. Anyway, he came clean with all that, and he was afterwards, he was seen as a pariah and basically kicked out of ufology. But then you had these other people 
come on scene. And uh, one of them was the revival or the continuation of the uh, Benowitz story or misinformation, disinformation, whatever you want to call it, that uh, John Lear started promoting and all this these guys, uh, Bill Cooper and a few others, fed off each other, and they all had a little bit different twist to the story. One thing that I think kind of highlights that and the role that it, the disinformation plays in a larger culture is if you talk to somebody about Roswell and, you know, the whole story that there was this crashed UFO in, from the 40s and it was covered up, people think that that's like something that's been in the culture that we've known about for since 1947 or whenever that was. But, I mean, that's a story that came up relatively recently. Well, it really started in uh, 1980 with Bill Moore, once again, who became, you know, an agent <laughs> for the government or, you know, uh, worked with uh, Doty, you know. And so he... Uh, and that was from research that uh, Stanton Friedman was also involved in the late uh, 70s, and they got uh, wind of you know a witness uh, to this crash. Uh, Jesse Marcel, who was with the uh, intelligence uh, guy with uh, oh, the Army or Air Force or whatever, uh, who uh, you know, went out and investigated this crash of something or other that could have been <laughs> a number of things at, uh, you know, whether it was some type of weather uh, balloons could have very well been the case. You know, the uh, they had those mogul balloons during that period, which some have pointed to, which were basically uh, intelligence gathering instruments if there had been some type of atomic uh, Testing that the Soviets were do were doing these type of balloons would uh, be able to pick those up, and so anyway that uh, grew over uh, time. And the thing is with uh, this information, you know, in the book the Roswell incident, uh, what uh, Friedman and Moore were kind of speculating about that there was a government group was uh, this was confirmed or possibly confirmed with the MJ-12 documents that came out in 84, you know, four years later, saying that uh, there had been a crash in uh, uh, Roswell, and they had, you know, uh, recovered the craft, and that there were uh, aliens, and later evolved, there was a alien uh, survivor, and, you know, that came out in UFO cover-up live. <laughs> so if this keeps going on and on. The stories kind of get repeated in different ways. It's like the uh, Dulce War thing. There's also a version at Area 51 where there was a similar uh, type of confrontation in it. <laughs> a few other stories along that line. So they use, like, you know, the same uh, – a lot of the same themes and stories uh, – over and over again. Wow. Um, um, have you read Annie Jacobson's book, Area 51? I um, have not, actually. It's really interesting. Like, her books are all really interesting because she's like almost like a stenographer for various like government entities. Like, um, 
you know, she wrote one I read recently, which is like, it was called Survive, Kill, Vanish, I think. And it was like, Surprise, Kill, Vanish. And it was like about, um, you know, CIA special operations and, you know, just like interviewing operators and like, you know, kind of telling their side of the story, which it's just kind of like, doesn't seem to be like hypercritical or really looking into. So like the Area 51 book is, I just... The reason I bring it up is because I think there's a crossover here because, like, she interviewed all these people that worked at Area 51, and it was this kind of, like, really interesting look at Area 51 that I think, you know, we'd never be privy to otherwise because, you know, all these people have security clearances and it's top secret. And and then it gets to the—it reads like a very traditional kind of institutional biography, and then it gets to the end, and then— one of the guys is like, oh, by the way, I saw E.T.'s. And then it, like, takes this, like, turn, <laughs> like, total turn, you know, like, like the last last part of the book's about, you know, how all these people are saying aliens are real, and it just feels to me like, all right, <laughs> we dangled her along, now let's really screw with yeah, her head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was, that was the story. There had been <laughs> the, uh, one of the one- things that was coming out in the late 80s was, yeah, there was this... Uh, there was different aliens at uh, Area 51. There were some bad guy aliens, and there was the benevolent ones, they were called. <laughs> and there was a war, and the uh, greys or whoever took over the place, but then eventually they were d- defeated by the uh, benevolent ones who returned control over to, you know, the uh, humans there. And so, <laughs> craziness. So, Serpo, that was the story that like well th- there was an exchange program between uh the uh, ets and the u.s government they brought some ets here and we sent uh astronauts to their planet uh serpo and it uh some of that ties into what was in uh, the mj12 papers about uh you know different stuff Dodie had pushed out in the past about this uh, secret exchange program. And it also, you know, was uh, featured in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which, uh, you know, Jacques Vallée and Heineck were involved in. And they come up (laughs) in a lot of this uh, related to a lot of these uh, different projects. So maybe, you know, it was one of these ongoing things, and it seems to get uh, regurgitated over the years it uh, uh recently uh, you know 10 years passed and people start talking about serpo again you know it's like uh, <laughs> dude and this has been proven uh, uh to be a hoax but you know these these uh it's like clockwork every 10 years or so you know Year is 1942, 1960, 1980, somewhere around there, I'm not 100% sure, whenever President Roosevelt was president, okay? A UFO came down and crashed in Nevada. A lot of people knew about that, right? Um, I forget what it was called. I'm high as fuck already off of a couple hits, but you guys know what I'm talking about, that Roswell crash in Area 51, okay? So pretty much what happened was there were survivors there, all right? Survivors as, as in aliens, okay? We tweaked out. We didn't know what the fuck to do. We brought them in. Right to Area 51 in a contaminated spot, not contaminated, quarantine spot. Hit this one more time. 
it's dead, never mind. Brought them in and we talked to them. Not as in we, but as in the leaders of the world, all right? The president, probably a couple of his, you know, under uh, beneaths. But anyways, we found these fucking aliens, talked to them, right? And they were dipping. They're going home, all right? They gave us some sort of technology. We were very nice to them, apparently. And they offered, here's the thing, they, they're leaving, right? They got, they fixed their shit. They shared information with us. Not, not like, I, I don't know how, okay? I'm not a fucking, I wish I was there. I really did. I really do. But they shared information, built their shit in a very quick amount of time, and they were leaving, right? And they offered these aliens, they offered to take people back to their planet 37 light years away, okay? And people volunteered to go. That's the craziest fucking thing, bro. Uh, what is it? 12 people volunteered to go, all right? So they're getting ready, bro, and these, these aliens are just talking, you know, ready to leave. Imagine being one of them 12 people suiting up, going on a UFO, and flying to the to the alien's planet, bro. Dipped all the way to fucking planet Serpo, all right? Insane. Insane the shit that they saw. I'm gonna rip this again, though. Do you know where, uh, do you know what happened to Paul Benowitz? Well, he's no longer with us. Uh, he died in, uh, around the time, uh, Greg Bishop, uh, was finishing up his project beta book, which was in the early 2000s. He tried to get an interview with, uh, Benowitz a few times, but, uh, uh, by that time, uh, Benowitz had totally removed himself from ufology and basically had a mental breakdown uh, sometime in the mid to late 80s and was uh, put into uh, a mental health facility for a period of time by his family, you know, because basically to do all having to do with all this craziness involving ETs. He really went off the uh, deep end. My name is Tom DeLong. Um, a lot of people know me uh, from my band Blink-182. I started that band when I was 16. As an artist, I kind of conquered, in some respect, what I wanted to do with music. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe where I got, you know, and I was like, okay, well, this is a great time to, to try and do something else. I recognized that there were people in government that wanted to engage the public on topics that unfortunately had a stigma even though they were based in scientific fact. At the time, there was no mechanism for them to do this. Through a series of meetings, I was soon connected to a large group of U.S. government officials from the CIA, the Department of Defense, and Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. These guys were the ones involved in the secretive U.S. government programs that dealt with these subjects and they have all taken tremendous risks to themselves and their reputations to do something that can benefit the world. They wanted to be a part of something special, to be a part of a company that could not only change the way we see ourselves, but also change the path humanity is on. So we've been talking about this Air Force kind of injecting itself into the UFO movement, and what do you make of like the leaks that have been happening the last couple of years from the Air Force? <laughs> Or the DOD, uh, who... Yeah, yeah, or Pentagon or whatever. Like, is there a connecting tissue, do you see? Or? Uh, it's hard to say. There might be multiple agendas here. I'm very suspicious of all this stuff, and it keeps... They keep rolling these things out with uh, a lot of the same information over and over, you know, we've, we we <laughs> about these videos, you know. I think we know all we can know about them. You know that these ones that the that the TTSA are involved 
with, but and you see uh, different confirmations coming from uh, the Department of uh, Defense, but uh, also at the same time, uh, they're denying some of the stuff that like TTSA group and particularly Lou Elizondo has been saying. So um, uh, there's been a lot of contradictory stuff, but it seemed to me part of it was all of this has been uh, initially was a uh, well-coordinated PR campaign by people, uh, journalists connected to uh, TTSA and kind of a, uh, it helped roll out uh, the launch of uh, the To the Stars Academy, who's got, you know, these different spooks involved. So uh, part of it seems like, yeah, uh, they wanted to uh, market. And so they're using uh, contacts, it appears, within the government to help them do that. But also there might be a spook thing going on here as well, you know. So I guess the question is, is Tom DeLong Paul Benowitz or bill moore in the story i don't know if he's either one exactly he seems more some of the journalists like leslie keen might be the bill moore but he's he's the agent that helps uh promote this story the face of this uh group and if you're now I mean, there's one thing, and maybe this is all just to make money, but if it's an intelligence operation, then that's basically a way of bringing more people into the uh, fold, you know? And so he, he's like the uh, face of this operation, probably perhaps just an unwitting uh, dupe. Who knows? I, I, really, I really don't know. <laughs> Are you seeing UFOs yet? I don't blame you if you are. Fact of the matter is that regardless of whether or not extraterrestrials exist, it'd be far too easy for U.S. intelligence, or any intelligence agency for that matter, to to latch onto this and uh, manipulate the UFO scene, the so-called UFOlogists. Uh, to their own ends. In fact, they'd be crazy not to. And I'd, and I'd like you to just think about the, the larger ramifications of that for a second. If the AFOSI and one well-placed agent is able to create this whole X-Files thing that we have going on in popular culture today, what else are the intelligence agencies capable of? Thanks for listening to the Failed State Update. Be sure to check me out. Uh, find me on Twitter, at Lenny Flatley, or you can contact me through my website, LennyFlatley.net.
trapped. 